0: 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, 12, 12-12. Since the beginning of the year, we have been, uh, we we enter the time, the new year, with the time of prayer and fasting. That's typical and traditional for us. Uh, We're a non-traditional church in some ways, but we've been around for so long that we have traditions now. Uh, After 25 years, almost 26, of worshiping together, and one of them is we start the new year every year, have for 26 years with the time of prayer and fasting. And this year, our theme was uh, prepare. And the idea is this, and I'm just reviewing it real quickly for those who are new today. Uh, The idea is this, the world's model for how to live your life is to predict the future and then plan to meet your prediction. You kind of throw a vision out there of what the future might look like, and then you plan on how to get there. Um, and I'm not against predicting or planning, but the problem with the model is if your prediction is off, then all your planning is off as well. Uh, just as an example, last week, last week I, I had planned, I'd predicted that I would uh, run the Mercedes half marathon on Sunday morning. Then I would come to church. I'd actually gotten Gabriel to preach that morning. I'd had. Uh, some, uh, an eye procedure done the week before, so I thought it'd be great to have Gabriel preach, and I was going to run the race that morning, and I think some of you were so worried about me running this race, you prayed that, that God would intervene, and he did, and I got some sort of stomach virus, um, so at about 5 a.m. when I was throwing up, I realized, you know, I'm really not going to be able to run this race uh, at 7 a.m., so all my predictions came to naught. Uh, I had planned on it, I had trained for it, I was ready for it, but I wasn't there. Instead, I was home uh, in my recliner watching the live stream. And to all those who are live streaming, hi, glad that you're uh, watching us if you are. And uh, if you're sick, we understand, stay where you are. If you're lazy, get to church, Uh, that would be my my word on live stream uh, broadcast. I'm not going to call any names this morning of people I think might be in the second category. But in any case, if your prediction is wrong, then all your planning is wrong. Instead, what I think happens, one of the ways God works is he calls for us to prepare, to get ready, to pray, and then when he moves, we're ready to go with him. And we participate in his plan. So you can either go with the prediction and planning model, which... There is some validity to it. But again, I think more often than not, our predictions won't work. Uh, So our planning is a waste of time. I would contend that we need to prepare, which we talked about in our series in January. And then Gabriel shifted the, the scene to last week to where we now need to participate. Participate. He's talked about creating sacred spaces, participating in God and creating sacred spaces in your life. On Wednesday evening, we're doing a series called Practicing the Power. I know it's a lot of Ps. Um, we do that sometimes. But Practicing the Power, based on a book by Sam Storms that I would encourage you to get. And in Practicing the Power, it's, it's the idea that we participate with God in his move and his anointing and his infilling in our lives. That God has endued, endued us with power. His presence, the person of the Holy Spirit, is in us and on us. It's the power of God that works in us and that we need to participate with Him, practice the power, uh, both in a corporate setting and in an individual setting and in our small groups, wherever the body of Christ gathers together, we need to be participating with Him. So in this series, we're looking at how we can participate with God. Today we're gonna, and next week, we're going to talk about participating Participating in body life. In body life, the body of Christ. How do we participate? Uh, then we're going to talk about participating with God in worship, participating with God in evangelism, participating with God in prayer. Some different ways we participate with God all the time as we prepare and participate. So it's not a one thing or another is what I'm trying to hopefully communicate a little bit. Sometimes we think if we prepare, that means I, I'm just sitting at home at my desk, really doing nothing, maybe reading, getting ready, doing, but no, part of your preparation is you participate with God, and then he moves at a different level, and you participate with him again, moves at a different level, you participate again with him, with him. In other words, it is no excuse for doing nothing as we wait for the Lord. We still have things we're doing all the time as followers of Jesus Christ. So in 1 Corinthians 12, a week and a half ago on Wednesday night, I looked at this passage where Paul, in verses 1 through 11, outlines this idea where he says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. I'm not going to repeat all I said that Wednesday night. We, we have the recording. It's, uh, it's on our website. If you'd like to go get it, I would encourage you to because it gives a theology of what we believe about spiritual gifts here at Fullness. And so I'd encourage you to look at that if you're new to Fullness uh, to get an idea of what we believe the Bible says. But the I, the overarching theme here is that Paul is speaking to a church in Corinth who is one messed up church. Uh, th- there's no other way to say it other than the Corinthian church has is screwed up in so many different... We think we have messed up churches... But if you really read about the church in Corinth, uh, it it was so messed up. And one of the ways they're messed up is in their worship. Uh, They're coming together and they're saying that uh, certain spiritual gifts are more important or better than other spiritual gifts. And if you walk in these specific spiritual gifts, then you're more spiritual than other people. The one they had picked out, evidently, was the gift of tongues. They were really enamored with the gift of tongues. They had labeled it almost um, the tongues of angels. They felt like they were speaking an angelic language when they participated in tongues, so they were really emphasizing it over all the rest of the gifts. And Paul is, and let me just back up again, if you're new to fullness today, we believe in all of the gifts of the Spirit. We believe they're all available today. We believe that God still calls for us to walk in them. But this church was really emphasizing this one spiritual gift. And so Paul says to them, look, guys, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. The implication in this statement is that they were ignorant. I mean, (laughs) there's no other way to read it other than saying, you guys are being just stupid about this. Thing about spiritual gifts. Yes, we love spiritual gifts, but let's put it in order. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is really a discussion about spiritual gifts. Let me say it again. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 as a whole is a discussion about spiritual gifts. So by the way, when you read 1 Corinthians 13 at a wedding, you are reading a discussion about spiritual gifts, whether you know it or not. Because what he's saying in that, hey, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, what what good is it? Yeah, he's just saying, i It's not going to profit me anything. He's saying, I can say I'm speaking the tongues of angels, but love has got to be an overriding characteristic. So he, in chapter 12 and then 13, he's got this love section, intervene that love is the overriding principle of the body of Christ. Then 14, some specific instructions about how some of the gifts operate within the public context. But here in chapter 12, he's just giving an overview And what we looked at on that Wednesday night was uh, that we need to be informed about the tools or the gifts we've been given, that we don't need to be ignorant. Uh, Listen, God never calls us to walk in ignorance. You know, I've heard, let me just give you some, just one stupid statement I've heard uh, said in church before. Look, you just need to check your mind at the door. And I do not believe that that's biblical in any way. That God is in the redemptive process of everything about us, including the way we think. The church should have some of the most brilliant thinkers in the world. I I believe it does nothing but open the door to the enemy to say, leave your mind at the door. Now, I know what they're trying to say is, look, don't be so intellectual that you can't receive in faith what God is saying. But leaving your mind at the door is not the answer. Submitting your entire being to the power and presence of the Spirit of God is what he's calling us to. So don't be ignorant. Be informed about what he's given us. Uh, be influenced by the constant presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, you, are, you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a constant activity that the Spirit of God indwells us and fills us, empowers us, directs our lives. Uh, incorporate and embrace the diversity that gifts bring us. We, we, un, we need to understand that—and we're going to talk about this—incorporate, corporation, cooperation, it's all about gifts being used within the context of the body of Christ. And you need to identify your areas of gifting. Identify your areas of gifting. We've, we've, been, we've been given gifts, and we need to identify how we walk in them. Now, here are the gifts. I, I don't have time to go through all of these with definitions, But what I did was, in your bulletin, in your worship folder, I put a list of the gifts that Paul specifically mentions in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Some of them are in verses up till 11, and some of them are at the end of the chapter. I've given you a definition. I've given you my definition. Please please don't see the definition as as a Bible definition. Uh, And in this sense, what I mean is like this. You know, these things, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you you don't find them really talked about anywhere other than 1 Corinthians 12. And they're not defined. And so we we have to kind of, as best we can, determine what is Paul talking about. And so one of the ways I see word of wisdom, and I'm just going to go through a couple of these for you, and then you can read the rest of them. Um, This is where God gives a person some wisdom Uh, supernaturally, of what he wants of his mystery concerning the Christian faith that a person can then speak out. Where you speak a word of God, a word of wisdom, into a specific situation. Um, There are, um, so so for instance, uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost, he gets up to preach a sermon. And I don't think Peter had spent a ton of time in sermon prep on this uh, on this Pentecost sermon but he connects he quickly connects a passage from the book of Joel with what's taking place on that day and he quotes Joel and he says that passage is what you're seeing today and he speaks forth the wisdom of God into that circumstance that situation to me that's an example of a, a word of wisdom that that's coming forth and there are a lot of others that we could look at a message of knowledge is, is some sort of revelatory word from God, some information that you could not know any other way other than God gave it to you. Uh, for instance, I'll give you an example here. Um, one of my favorites is uh, Jesus with the woman at the well. Now, I know whenever I talk about Jesus and spiritual gifts, you always automatically say, well, yeah, yeah that, that's Jesus. But there's tons of other examples. But I like the one of Jesus at the woman at the well where he talks about her husband and he says, yeah, 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 you, you've had six of them and the guy you're living with is not your husband. Well, how do you know this? Well, because he, he gets a word of knowledge of some sort. And God will give you insight and knowledge if you'll, if you'll be open to the idea that maybe the Spirit of God wants to reveal something to you. Um, uh, faith. Now, this, uh, this gift of faith is different than just faith. I mean, we're all, all to have faith, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But at the same time, there seems to be a, a supernatural giftedness for faith. Uh, f- for instance, when uh, Peter hops out of the boat and starts walking on the water, he has, for a time, <laughs> he has a gift of faith operating in his, in his life. Healing, I think that makes sense, uh, where we pray for people to be healed. Um, miracles. Um, the ability for the servant of the Lord to work in supernatural, supernatural ways. Uh, for instance, a miracle would be uh, when Paul and Silas were in jail, and an earthquake happens, and the doors open. Some people may say, "Well, that's really just a natural event." That no, it's a supernatural. I believe it was a supernat. The Bible clearly ties it together to God's work in their in their life. Uh, prophecy, the proclamation of God's word through Through a human lips. Um, For instance, when Agabus comes before Paul, Paul's on his way back to Jerusalem, and Agabus, this prophet, comes and he ties himself all up and says, If you go to Jerusalem, this is the way you're going to leave. He prophetically speaks forth what what God is doing, uh, going to do. And Paul still goes. He doesn't stop, but at least it gives him insight for what's going to take place in the days ahead. The Bible is clear, especially in 1 Corinthians 2 uh 12, 13, and fourteen, that prophecy is given for the encouragement of the faithful, that's us, conviction of unbelievers, and for guidance of the church on specific issues. There is a reason that prophecy, it is not a, a dog and pony show, by the way. It's not a circus act. It's given for the building up of the body of Christ, for encouragement, for unbelievers to say, surely God is in your surely God is in your midst. Uh, Discerning of spirits, the the ability to see through situations and see where a spirit is operating. Um, I could give you some uh, biblical examples. A good one is, do you remember when, um, um, what's their names? Paul and Silas Uh, were in Philippi. And this girl is going around saying, hey, listen to these guys. They are servants of the Most High God. And she's just following around day after day. Now, if you think about it, the girl is not saying anything that's not true, right? She's saying, hey, listen to these guys. They're servants of the Most High God. And at some point, Paul gets tired of her following them around. He discerns this spirit she's speaking is not of God. And he turns and he casts the demon out of her. Now, by the way, it caused some problems because people were making money off this girl who was demon-possessed, telling the future, and uh, some people get really upset. Uh, over the whole situation, but we need discerning of spirits. I've had in our church at times, I remember one specific example where uh, Chris Kuhn came up to me, and I was talking to a person, and the person laughed, and Chris said to me, hey, I discern a a, a spirit here in this person. Now, i got nothing talking to the person, but Chris discerned there was something else going on and protected me From a situation that could have, and it turned out evidence. I don't want you to think if you come up and talk to me, somebody's gonna accuse you of being a demonic spirit and some elder. It's only happened like once or twice or a hundred times in our church. So it's not really, it rarely happens. It's only happened a couple of times, but evidence later showed that this was indeed the case. But I that's why the body of Christ needs one another. We need protection, we need the gifts operating because. I'm going to get to this in a minute. Not one of us has all the gifts. Not one of us has all the gifts. Where am I? Discerning of spirits. And this is why I don't want to get too hung up. Tongues we'll talk about later on. Spiritual utterance of a language given to us by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul also makes clear in this passage that tongues are directed toward God concerning the mysteries of God for the edification of the one who's speaking the tongue. For the edification of the believer. Once it becomes an interpreted tongue, meaning somebody speaks to others. So let's say a tongue happens in a public setting. The person speaking it is the one edified. But once it's interpreted, then it becomes like the gift of prophecy where it builds up the body of Christ. And it encourages one another. Uh, And then at the end of the chapter, he goes into a lot of other gifts in the same context. Um, He talks about apostles he talks about teachers he talks about the ministry of helps and he talks about administration all of those are mentioned at the end of this chapter in the same discussion as these what we would consider more supernatural gifts see here's the point gifts are gifts i know that that, that was brilliant wasn't it gifts are gifts you know, we we talk about the sign gifts or the supernatural gifts, like there's something more special than the gift of helps. People know they're all gifts of God. And that we we need to walk in all of these gifts. And a gift is given to us by God in the person of the Holy Spirit for the building up of the body of Christ. And we're gonna we're gonna see how this kind of plays out in. The passage we're going to look at, verses twelve through uh, twenty-seven or eight, the end of the, the end of the chapter. All of these discussions, and especially the one we're going to talk about, is given within the context of the body of Christ. How's your body doing today? This carton that you have. How's your how's your, I know that's a strange question for someone to ask you on Sunday morning but most of us we don't really want to think about our bodies that much you know some of us are really pretty displeased you know there's just there's a little too much of my body there's not quite enough of my body and my body has a weird shape i've got aches and pains in my body i mean if we start thinking about it too much we kind of get all whacked out a little bit about how our body is doing But one of the things I think is important for us to ask ourselves is, how is the body doing? I go to the doctor every year. Um, I don't want to go into detail on all this, but my dad had a certain form of cancer, prostate cancer, um, and it's genetic. And so they told me I have to go get this checked every year. Now, without going into details, I hate I hate this. I mean, I could think of a million reasons to not go and be checked up. Again, I'm not going to go into details. Um, But (laughs) the funny thing is, if I don't do it, then I'm susceptible to cancer in my body, doing things that are hidden that I may not know about until it's too late. So the question is, do I want to just ignore it? Pretend, hope, or do I want to face the reality of this is what's going on? And I think it's time for the body of Christ, the church, to face the reality of are we healthy or not? Is the body of Christ walking in health? Paul says you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. This is the part where I'm going to be nice, but I want to be firm in that each one of you is a part of the body of Christ. We have a messed up theology too many times to say, you know, the staff, they're really the ones who make the body function. Or the elders, or certain super spiritual ones. No, no, no. Paul is saying the only way a healthy body functions is by each one doing its part. And to do this, we have to get past the consumer mindset that's so rampant in the American psyche, especially as it translates into the church. I want a church that feeds me well. I want a church that puts on a good show. I want a church that meets all of my needs. No, the church was never designed for that. The church was designed for every single one Doing its part and walking in its spiritual gifts. William Barclay said that a body consists of many parts, but there is in it an essential unity. An essential unity. Plato talked about, um, he he said we use the terms, I have a pain. Meaning that even if my finger hurts, it's, it's a part of my whole body. The unity of the body and we need to walk in it. So let me just say this too. I'm actually going to get to the points in just a minute and they're good too. But there, there are different ways to see the body. There is the universal body of Christ which means every believer across every nation all time who calls Jesus Christ Lord are part of the body. So Fullness is a part of the body of Christ. Just like Church of the Highlands or Shades Mountain Baptist or any other church in our area that lifts up the name. We're a part of the body of Christ. At the same time, a local church body is a body of Christ and functions in a very specific way as God directs us. So there's both the universal and the, the local. Paul is talking to a church, Corinth, specifically, about them functioning as the body of Christ. Now, he could have said, you know, the church in Corinth and the church in Ephesus and the church in Galatia, you're all the body of Christ. But he, at this point, is talking to them specifically about the way they are functioning. So I'm going to talk to us specifically in these points about how how we function. So here are the points. First point is this. Implement your gift and service. Implement the gift you've been given or the power of the Spirit that is at work within you in serving. I'm going to just walk us through 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 12 to the end of the passage. He says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. By By the way, this is one of the few places that the term baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism with the Spirit, is mentioned, that is not a a direct reference that contrasts the the baptism of John with the baptism of Jesus. He talks about we were all baptized into one Spirit. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. goes on and says, Now the body... Is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body of part of the body. <clears throat> He's saying, Look, you're part of the body. <laughs> you're part of the body. Whether you say I'm not a part of the body is, by the way, irrelevant. He's saying, even if I say I'm not a part of the body, no, he's saying, you know what? Would that make you less likely to be a part of the body just if your hand said it's not a part of the body? No, he's saying, you are, you get it? He's trying to say you are a part of the body of Christ. Whether you want to admit it or not, you are. And as such, function in the way that God has gifted you. If you're a hand, be a hand. If you're a foot, be a foot. If you're a nose, be a nose. Whatever part you are of the body, be that part in service. Serve. Do what God has called you to do. Because he says, now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. For the body to function, every body part has to do its part. In 1993, this company came out with these toys. They were little stuffed animal toys that um, were. They cost like five bucks a piece, less than five. They they originally had like eight or ten of these toys, these stuffed little animals. Um, They had some sort of I don't know thing in them they weren't totally filled you know like prior to most stuffed toys were like filled to the brim with whatever they were stuffed with these had like some sort of bean substance in them. they were known as beanie babies they were released in 1993 and they came out with eight or ten original these are this is a picture of the eight or ten original beanie babies um, by 1995 Only um, 1.5% of the United States was using the Internet. Isn't that hard to believe? Just a little over 20 years ago, only 1.5% of the nation was using the Internet. And yet what these people had the brilliance to do was to put a URL description on the tag. We didn't even know what those were at the time. How to even get on the Internet and go and you could... Type in on the internet and look up this specific beanie baby and some name about it and some story about it and blah, blah, blah. Well, suddenly they started releasing these beanie babies for $5 a thing and they became collector's items. Collector's items. So that one of the original ones, this uh, dorky looking platypus, um, started selling originally for $5 but became very popular and quickly came up to value around $20,000. So now, this toy that was supposed to be given to your child for them to enjoy and to play with. I I, I remember the, the, the fever that took over people and they're collecting these Beanie Babies and they're stuffing them in a closet or a box and Lord have mercy if some child should ever touch this Beanie Baby. Because they might tear the tag, or they might do this, or it might soil the beanie baby, and now it's lost all its value. Here's the point. It's a toy. (laughs) Or it was supposed to be. But now it becomes a trophy. I think you see the connect a little bit. Spiritual gifts are not a trophy. They're not a badge of honor to be worn for display so that And thinking that nobody's going to, you know, it's just for me. I'm going to hang on to this great gift I have. No, they're they're given for the building up of the body of Christ, which means we walk in them. We use them for, for service. Peter says, each one of us, whoever, should use whatever gift he has received to do what? To serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, you may not have come to church wanting to hear this message. Um, This message that says, look, people, we've got to get off our rumps and do what God has called us to do. You've been given a gift. You've been endued with this gift. If we're going to practice the power and if the body of Christ is going to function like it's supposed to, then we we serve we serve you, you may be thinking you know the next thing he's going to do he's going to take up an offering he's going to tell me I got to give he's going to make me do some i'm not going to make you do anything i'm calling i'm calling the body of christ to listen to the spirit of god who's been implanted in each of us and gifted us in a certain way to to overcome two things one is the flesh that gets in the way of us serving and the second is the voice of the devil who's telling you you're not qualified and instead to say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world to step out in faith and you may be saying well my gift ain't all that special yes it is every gift is special if you have the gift of helps don't see yourself as Something less than somebody who walks in faith or miracles or healing. It is not less than. It's just as essential as. Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect your gift. In a later passage, he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. There, there is something we do to unleash the gift that God has placed within us. By not neglecting it, to fan it into flame, to see it operating within the context of the body of Christ. Here's my point. I hope you're not feeling beat up. Instead, I hope you feel encouraged for me to say, God has gifted you. Serve. Step out in faith. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes within the body of Christ. And I'll tell you this, too. It'll bless you, too. It will. That's not the first goal, but it will. When you're doing what you're made to do and gifted to do, you know, I, one of the things we say a lot, uh, two of the greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you discovered why. One of the ways you discover why is by walking in the gifts that God has given you and is continuing to give you. Okay, i got three more points. I'm going to go faster. Do not ignore Do not ignore your own limitations. That being said, you are a part of the body of Christ. You are not the body of Christ. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. This is very clear. God is is the one who gives the gifts. He's, if he's made you an ear, celebrate, you're an ear. Or an eye, or a foot, or a hand, or whatever part. Celebrate the fact this is the part, this is who you are. But the point is this, you are just, you're just a part. Why did God do it like that? So we would understand that we need each other. God, as we've said many times, is not looking for a person after his name, but a people after his name. And he's made us to work together and I remember when my kids were little, we, we tried those jigsaw puzzles, you know. Not the kiddie jigsaw puzzles where you have 10 pieces that make a car. But I'm like, you know, the 500-piece ones. And, I, you know, that to me, that's just a torture from hell, those, pe- those puzzles when you're doing them with the kids. Because no, no doubt one of them is throwing a couple of pieces on the floor. They're under a carpet somewhere. They're, now in, a, they're in a cushion, and you get to the end... And your puzzle is incomplete. And for OCD people like me, it, it, you want to pull your hair out. That, I mean, you will go on a mission to find those other pieces. Listen, we, we're, God has organized the body to be the body with all of our different parts. And, and we need to understand that, that we've got limitations. We're not... We are not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I don't have all the gifts. I'm not the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we need each other. Third is this. We need to, in that vein, insist on a culture of honor. Insist on a culture of honor. He goes on and says, If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. He's saying, look, honor one another. We need each other. We can't say we don't need these various body parts. And he says, goes on, and he gets a little more intimate, and he says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. He's saying, hey, look, just like with everybody, body, there are parts that we don't show to the world. There are parts that are weaker. There are parts that demand modesty. How do we do We insist on a culture of honor. We honor one another. My body has all different types of cells in it. My daughter, my youngest daughter, is a biology major, and she's doing she's doing pretty good in school. She's doing really good. Uh, um, she's doing well in school, but she's worried about a class she has to take next year called cellular biology. It's kind of the make or break biology course. Now, I'm not too worried about her, but she's already concerned. And I'm like, sweetheart, don't. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries on its own. You know, I'm quoting Jesus to her. Uh, just be, be concerned for today. But there's this idea that, you know, this, we don't see the cells in our body, but they're really complicated. It's a lot to study and take in. And your cells, they honor one another. They work together. They, if they don't work together and a revolt takes place, there's trouble in your body. I had a cellular revolt in my body last weekend, and I was sick. The cells in my stomach did not agree with whatever, and they revolted or tried to cast out whatever <laughs> was there. And so I'm not trying to get too graphic, but it, you know, it didn't feel good. And we need, to, we need to insist on a culture of honor with one another. What's remarkable about this way that God designed the body to work is that that he didn't come up with another plan. In the books of Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians and Galatians, the body of Christ is mentioned over 30 times. 30 times. It It is God's way of communicating with us what the church is supposed to look like. Many of the problems I think, I believe, that the church is dealing with today in its modern context is we've forgotten that we are the body of Christ, a living, breathing organism. Instead, we institutionalize, we glamorize, we entertainize the church, or we make it a selfish ambition that it's all about us. Last point, increase awareness of each other, kind of along the same lines. He goes on and says in verses 24 and following, But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. How are we going to know if we should um, mourn with those who mourn or that we suffer with those who suffer? We honor those that need honoring. How are we going to know that if we're not aware of each other? If we're not aware. That's why we talk about here at Fullness that Christianity is in its basic nature relational. It's relationship with God and it's relationship with one another. Um, There is no, I'm going to say this as firm as I can, there is no model in the New Testament of a singular Christian. That may sound overly stated to you, but the entire context of the New Testament is that we. There's the we factor. It's us together. It's, in, in, in America, we fight against this philosophy because we're so individualized. I can do anything on my own. I can become anything I want to be. It's it's an I factor, not a we factor. And the New Testament model is we, it's us, together. And to do that, we got to come together, and it gives us an awareness of each other so that the body can function as it's supposed to. Over 59 times in the New Testament, there are these one another commands. Love one another, be devoted to one another, live in harmony with one another, uh, accept one another. Instruct one another, serve one another. Um, where am I? Bear with one another. Uh, be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Admonish one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. There's a lot of these one another's. I've thought about doing a whole series on the one another's. Just do. A, we could go almost a year talking about the one another's. What we should do, just to take one a week and talk, encourage one another. Okay, how do we do that? Let's talk about what it means to encourage. I'll probably, maybe I'll do it in the summer or something, do a short one another series. The point is this. There's got to be an awareness of one another to encourage one another. You know, how do I know what John Kerry needs to be encouraged in if I don't talk to John? You understand? We need the one another's. We need the idea that the body functions as it should. Look, I, I my list of injuries as I get older is really increasing. Yeah, I'm hurting myself more and more all the time, but so what? So be it. I don't know if that was me or something else, but I, I remember one time when before Kathy and I were married, where. We, I was helping her move. And I'd worked for a moving company, and I knew how to move furniture. And so I was just arrogant enough to be stupid, um, which usually goes together. And so she had this, like, armoire that had two doors that, you know, like those big closet kind of doors. And so I made the mistake of leaning it back without tying those doors shut. And the bottom door swung open, and my thumb was right at the place where it shouldn't have been. And it cut my thumb all the way. I mean, it was deep. It was deep. And I'm holding on to this thing. And now I'm screaming. And Kathy's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, shut the door. Shut the door. She's like, so she goes over and shuts the door kind of thing. And I'm like, no, no, the door. Shut the door. So she closes the door. And Do you know, my finger hurts so bad. It hurt so bad that night that the rest of my body stayed up all night to keep my finger company. You know, I kept trying to say, just forget the finger, it's no big deal, let's go to sleep. But no, no, the rest of my, it stayed up all night. We operate like there is no awareness of what's taking place. Too many times, we just... And this is sad to say, some of us, we'll go home today and we won't think a thing. I'm not trying to, please don't hear me condemning. I'm just saying we need to break out of this. But we'll go home today not even thinking about the people we sat around today. I'm not giving them another thought. I wonder if, I wonder if Matt Gore needs encouraging. her. Or... Why? Because I, I may or may not have talked to him today. I'm not aware of what's going on. Now, I can't be aware of 200 people. You think, oh, he's the pastor. He's got to be aware. No, I can't do it. i got to tell you, I'm not made to do it. We're made to do it. We're made to operate as the body of Christ with an awareness of each other. Paul finishes this out by saying, now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, Those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are we all apostles? The the implication here is no. In case you're wondering, the answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do we all work miracles? No. Do we all have gifts of healing? No. Do we all speak in tongues? Again, the implication here, by the way, is a no. Do all interpret? No. But eagerly desire? No greater gifts he's saying go for the go for the gifts go for all of these gifts and he's going to tell us in a minute which one he thinks is greater by the way and why but he's saying go for the gifts go for them none of us has every one none of us all have the same one we have different ones If we're going to participate as the body of Christ with what God has for us, then we need to implement the gifts that he's given us. We need to not ignore the fact that none of us has all the gifts. We need to not ignore the limitations that he's placed. We need to insist on a culture of honor. We need to be aware of each other. And in doing so, I believe that the body of Christ will practice the power of that he's placed within us. You see, it's it's not a dog and pony show. Practicing the power of God, as a matter of fact, I would contend this, that practicing the power of God is a moment-by-moment daily obedience to the power of the Spirit that he's placed within us to minister life within the body, to build up the body so that we go out and we shine to the world the light of the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for us. I want to encourage you today, and hopefully, you'll go away from this encouraged. Hopefully, you'll go away saying, I, I, I am somebody, kind of thing. I am filled. Some of you will get that movie reference later, but if you don't, it's fine. It's irrelevant. But you are someone, you are empowered. You have been baptized in the Spirit of God, you've been filled with His Spirit, you've been gifted by Him. We are the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you today. I pray that I want to pray for every single person who's a part of fullness that we would find our place of service and ministry within this church. Lord, that we would receive the truth that apart from the body, we cannot fully know God's will for our relationship within the context of the body. Without the eye, the hand doesn't know what to do. Without the ear, the the rest of the body may not know how to respond. So today, Lord, I pray that we would be sensitive to your power and your presence within our lives. That, God, we would walk filled with, flowing with, empowered by the Spirit of God and all the gifts in their various forms. That we would serve and we would walk as you've designed for us to operate may fullness christian fellowship be this local body that you've gifted us to be and we believe lord i believe that every gift that we need to be the body of christ is present in this room today may we walk in them thank you lord in jesus name amen amen